Welcome to DAO Today, a podcast that hosts lively and challenging discussions on decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs. Alongside some experts and builders in the space, this podcast aims to promote your knowledge on everything DAO, discuss blockchain-related topics, and challenge the lack of diversity and inclusion in the industry. DAO Today podcast is hosted by Alexa Mill, aka Delexa. There is a lot to learn about DAOs as a concept, what they are, and how to build decentralized while navigating the complexities of the regulatory environment. You will have an opportunity to learn from builders, change makers, legal, compliance, and other professionals. So follow and subscribe to DAO Today with Alexa Mill not to miss out on any episodes. I promise you will learn new things and have some fun along the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of DAO Today. I'm your host, Alexa. In today's episode, our guest is the OG of the space, Eagle X. Hi, Eagle. It's great to have you here. Hi, Alexa. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to participate at this first episode. So I'm a lawyer and a law professor at a university, European-based, and uh, I work in crypto since uh, uh, four years at an academic level, but uh, two years as a practitioner. I was active at the beginning in big DAOs as Bankless DAO and Aragon DAO. Then I began to advise uh, predominantly DeFi projects in, in the space that also want to decentralize. And so it's a path that I've uh, followed several times and with also different legal solutions. And uh, as an academic, I try always, always to be up to date with respect to the, to the new laws that are enacted and to the legal problems that arise for DAOs. And, and so I'm happy to talk about, about this with you, Alexa. It's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this talk. And could you please share with us what are some of the common challenges that you encountered while working with us? So I think that there are two main problems that can be addressed in different ways and that also, let's say, are much or more, more problematic for some type of DAOs than others. And these two problems are mainly, first of all, practical in nature, which means having contacts with the off-chain world. Uh, we work only online. We have our social networks, uh, our toolings to take decisions, To we have the governance tokens. But of course, like to run a business, to run an enterprise, you need also to, to have a proper banking sometimes. You need to enter into contracts with, with people. You need to pay taxation, depending on the jurisdictions, of course. And so there are these practical issues that after a while arise, not always from the very beginning, because what happens is that sometimes people do not really care about these problems at the beginning. They start doing things through different members of the DAO. For instance, one person has the domain, one person has the contracts with the social media. But after a while, you notice that it's not the proper way of doing things because people cannot remain stuck within a DAO because it's it's not correct like to have contracts which basically are contracts that uh, are there for the DAO uh, which are concluded by another person and and so these practical difficulties a lot of times bring to the decision of setting up a, a legal entity and this is like one of the legal challenges the other legal challenge which is uh, huge depending in some cases when the activity of the DAO can be dangerous for its members is the liability because DAOs as such are only collections of individuals now if we take away the technology which is of course important in DAOs we have persons that engage together and that normally provide a service to the external world and this is problematic because uh, some issues concerning liability may arise if for instance uh, the DAO harms other persons can happen, for instance, with a hacking that involves the smart contracts that are deployed by uh, by by the DAO as a protocol. And uh, in this case, of course, issues may arise with respect to the people that are contributors of the DAO. Are these people 
liable or not? And the response should be yes, according to the to the majority of the laws in the world, and of course according to to U.S. law, which is the benchmark that is often taken into consideration if US people are part of the organization. And uh, the law that applies is the law of partnerships, which uh, means that basically every member is jointly and severally liable for what the DAO does. And of course, you can imagine if, 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 if this kind of liability involves possible damages, plus also taxes, this can be very problematic for for the members of the DAO. And this is why basically legal challenges arise. Now, it would be naive to say that uh, the legal challenges are the only challenges of DAOs. Of course, DAOs are very young and there are a lot of different problems that they are tackling. There is a lot of research going on and uh, I think it's fascinating to see how basically starting with the end of 2020, how much things have changed so far and how uh, many problems were addressed, not only at a legal level, but also at, a, let's say, community level, business management level, uh, by people that basically work in, in DAOs. And in this regard, I want to mention one very, very important organization, which is called DAO Research Collective, uh, which basically works in different types of, uh, on different topics concerning DAOs, not only legal, but also organizational, um, governance, and uh, the ethos that these groups follow is pretty much related to the creation of public goods. And this is very good for, for people that want to create a new type of organization. But I mean, when you read these resources, you, you have immediately the feeling that the problems are, are big and solutions are are not always there and so people have also to think always about something new and um, from a legal perspective it is important first of all to understand like which is the matter and so understanding also what a DAO is from a social and from a technological point of view uh, the legal comes uh, sometimes uh, afterwards because you have to understand which is the best solution for for a DAO uh, if the activity is risky I advise to start before with the legal problems because they they might be very very difficult to solve once the DAO is created. That's a great point. I mean, in my experience as well, many founders leave the legal for the very end or they put it pretty low on the priority list without taking into consideration potential legal consequences they may experience down the road. And uh, when it comes to projects that do not have that legal wrapper where when they do not have an entity representing the DAO, can you share a bit more? What type of liabilities do these founders or developers may take on if there is no entity involved? So I want to say one thing in advance. Uh, of course, this is the, the main problem if the DAO is a so-called protocol DAO. So an organization which is built basically uh, around this, this protocol, which is governed by, by a DAO. Uh, in this case, I think that it, it is very important to secure the position of the developers. And uh, I intend the developers in this scenario as service providers to the DAO. So they are part of the community because they they provide a service which is the most important service. It, it is the maintenance and the development of the protocol, which is also the tool that that lets the DAO survive, that gives value to the to the DAO. I think that the, the person must be seen as a service provider, which is wrapped in, in a legal entity, which can be any sort of legal entity. It can be uh, also a company, a normal li limited liability company. And this organization should be external to the, to the DAO. Um, the problem is that, of course, you cannot achieve this result immediately. And so you need to create a, a path towards decentralization. And uh, what is important is that these people that begin to create the technology are immediately protected through a liability shield. Once they are protected, they begin to create the technology. And then it is a matter of creating a, a right DAO, creating an organization which is truly decentralized and which is separated from, from the developers. 
So I make an example, for instance, the developers can create a company. This company gets funded, funded in order to create a technology. Sometimes it gets funded. If, if a fundraise is made, sometimes developers develop without, let's say, uh, having external resources. Once they are ready, they deploy, and, uh, and then you have to implement uh, a DAO organization. And this can be done in several ways. Um, I'm not so much a super believer of the DAO legal wrapper. It is something that can be done sometimes, but um, it is not necessarily needed if you, are, if you are sure to get a very decentralized uh, community. And uh, in fact, we have different models. And it is also possible to imagine the DAO as uh, something which exists only on chain and which has the service providers that that give uh, that offer some services to the to the DAO. Uh, in this way, you can have, for instance, a company that does marketing, a company that does the development, a company that does the the operationals. And uh, an example for it is, for instance, Ave. Ave is uh, an example of uh, protocol DAO, which has a company setting that is not connected to the DAO. If the company Aave, based in the UK, needs something from the DAO, from the resources of the DAO, it must make a, a proposal as every member of the, of the DAO as such. But this is a very mature system, which is also difficult to achieve. It's not like the easy solution for, for everyone. And so it is advisable that sometimes you solve these problems of liability, especially if you don't have a truly decentralized community, in adopting a, a legal wrapper, which then is uh, someone who basically it's a legal entity that is responsible for the protocol and for the services of, of the DAO. And this uh, is something which uh, avoids that the liable persons are the founders, uh, the developers, the persons that are the main contributors to the to the organization. Given that DAOs as decentralized organizations pose quite of a challenge for regulators, do you think it's possible to regulate DAOs as DAOs? So far, we do have several countries such as Wyoming and the Marshall Islands that do have um, a regulatory framework for DAOs. However, it's not flawless, but of course, it's a step forward. What do you think? Will we be able to have a good regulatory framework for DAOs on a global level? This is possible. So to be honest, like uh, I'm not a super believer of uh, of DAO legal entities, and uh, I find the the U.S. models very interesting because they they try to implement an innovation uh, at the legal level in looking also what the technology is, how the technology looks like, and uh, and this is uh, I think the interesting part for an academic in looking at the regulations of Wyoming of Vermont, now there is also, not now, but like some months ago, there was also a new legislation in the Marshall Islands. The limit that I see is that, of course, if you choose a, a jurisdiction and if you basically are saying the DAO belongs to this jurisdiction, you are, you are eliminating one of the main aspects of the DAO, which is the decentralized nature, the fact that it's uh, basically global and that everyone can join. Uh, you are creating an entity which belongs to a, to a particular state. And that's a bit the limit that I see there. But of course, it depends a lot on the, on the type of data you want to create. We are talking about different types of organizations. Sometimes the DAO is just a collection of 15, 20 persons. Sometimes it is a collection of 1 million people spread all, all over the world. And so it can make sense to have a, an LLC which is uh, shaped as a DAO in Wyoming for a DAO which is predominantly US-based because you have a lot of advantages in terms of uh, possibility of having banking. Also, uh, the rules concerning taxation are clear. You know what to do. You are recognizable from the external. What I see is that very broad DAOs do not follow this path. And I think that it is related to the fact that you basically oblige the digital organization to 
be stuck into the limits of a jurisdiction, which is uh, which is of course something that goes against the the ethos of of DAOs. And um, the prevailing models are at the moment foundations. The idea that you create a, a kind of public good with the DAO, and that the DAO is uh, something which does not really belong to to some particular individual, uh, which are the shareholders in a normal company. And uh, some prominent examples are the Cayman Foundations. Uh, it's a very known model of the Cayman Company Foundations. What I see is that basically the DAO, the legal entity, becomes a kind of uh, off-chain arm of the digital organization. It is there in order to fulfill practical needs and also in order to limit the liability of, of the members. Although one has to say that it is not 100% sure if these uh, entities are capable of limiting the liability of the contributors in full. This is true for foundations. It is also true for trusts. There is a lack of case law, and so we don't know. Uh, we hope that uh, they cover the liability, but of course, some risks uh, remain. And, uh, and therefore, one has really to think about it, whether it is, uh, it is necessary to have this kind of, uh, of entities. Uh, my feeling is that is that more and more DAOs are trying to follow this path, especially if they pursue, if they fulfill a service and activity which may endanger the contributors. For instance, uh, managing tokens through smart contracts. Everything is automated. Sometimes people do not even have uh, admin power to influence, to impact on the smart contracts. But nevertheless, the, there is the fear that people that develop the technology may be impacted by, by liability issues if there is, for instance, a, a hack. Great, thank you. And um, like considering all this, if you incorporate the DAO as an LLC, right, so then we have an issue because the DAO assets are not of the DAO anymore, right, so they belong to the LLC. If we take, a, for example, like the Wyoming model of a DAO LLC, Again, it's not great. It has uh, many limitations and it does not really agree with the nature of the DAOs. And um, having said that, like, what are the DAO chances of actually being able to communicate with, uh, with the traditional world? Earlier, you mentioned that that's one of the, to say, like, the flaws, like the fallbacks of a DAO, DAOs because they are just not able to compliantly communicate and collaborate with the off-chain world. So what do you think, what can be uh, kind of like a middle ground solution to that? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Difficult to answer. <laughs> um, <I think> that's, <laughs> like, my feeling is that this LLC model cannot so much work because like, imagine that you are an Italian. I mean, why should I become a member of the LLC? It's something which perhaps I don't want to do, even though I want to to be part of the DAO. And, uh, and so you basically transform something which is really understood for being borderless to something which uh, which has clear clear borders. And this is why I think like we're gaining so much traction because like if you incorporate offshore, basically you know that this entity does not belong to everyone. It's something which is in this very particular jurisdictions that have some, let's call them relaxed rules. And, and so nobody feels really a citizen of Cayman. And so you put like the, the entity in heaven. And, uh, and this is something which, to be honest, works for, for DAO. Um, some people think that it is, it is uh, not good for taxation reasons. Others may argue that in reality, like these organizations do not really right now create value of chain. And given that they do not create value of chain, it could be also seen as proper that they don't pay taxes to a particular country. Uh, given that then the contributors that earn from the DAO, they of course are obliged to pay taxes in, in, their, in their nations. Um, what I can say also to this problem is that, of course, like we have in mind always the most critical example of the protocol DAOs where all the contributors are in danger of liability. 
but a lot of DAOs are in, in reality only social formations of, of people that engage and that may fulfill practical needs. One example is uh, the bankless DAO, like the, the DAO which I am mostly bound to. Uh, in reality, this kind of organization could incorporate in one second uh, an association, a non-profit association, which would be able to cover all the problematic aspects that I've said. For instance, having a banking account, having a having a, um, relationships with other parties. Uh, to me, like it's impossible then to have a really uh, wrapper that wraps the entire DAO. So I imagine that there will always be a kind of separation between what is digital and what is of chain. But I think that it's not so problematic if you consider that basically you create the off-chain entity only to fulfill certain tasks. And so if this is done and you can do the rest on-chain, then I think that this might be might be a workable example. And the other thing that can be done to address this problem is creating like sub-entities. Uh, I'm sure that you are aware about this very also the public is aware about this uh, ongoing uh, debate on sub DAOs, like the creation of sub organizations within a bigger DAOs. I have to say that I don't, I'm not aware about real like success story. I think it's normal because people are experimenting. But if you choose this kind of sub DAO structure, you can also imagine that you have a sub DAO which is wrapped or different sub DAOs that are wrapped and then a overarching organizations that basically has, has the power as the main governance center to address the activities of this, of this sub DAOs, which can be wrapped in different legal entities. And uh, so I think that one has to ad- abandon a bit the idea that the legal entity is a wrapper of the entire DAOs and it is possible to solve problems with smart solutions where you create like smaller boxes that fulfill this off-chain tasks which needs to be fulfilled uh, without impacting on the entire DAOs. The problem here is, of course, that you create a kind of break in the governance system. Not everything can can be of chain. You need to have people in which you trust that then fulfill what is the decision of the DAO. But we see this all the time. It's not like the automation, the autonomous, which is in the acronym of DAOs, is something which I think most of the times is only in the name. Like DAOs are digital organizations but automated it's this is a bit more let's say challenging to achieve what is sure is that they they use smart contract technology and they are based on chain and they take decisions through these technologies but then saying that it's completely autonomous is uh, i think wrong for the majority of the organizations I mean, it's, it's difficult for DAOs to balance out, right? I mean, that off-chain legal entity helps mitigate the risks, right? Like, you know, from the developers and everyone involved and uh, understanding like exactly where to pay taxes and to limit the liabilities of the developers, of the contributors. But the, again, again, what are the consequences for the, for the yeah, off-chain organization? Alexa, uh, it, it's a great point. And, and here, I think we can really begin to speak about the, the first word in DAOs, which is decentralized. Because one possible solution is really achieving a level of decentralization in which it is impossible to refer the organization to a given jurisdiction. And this is something which is made. And it's difficult because decentralization is something which exists in the DAO research, but it's not a legal concept right now. I think that the effort of legal uh, scholars, but also practitioners should really be understanding what decentralization means. And there are some very good articles. I want, for instance, mention an article of Gabriel Shapiro on decentralization, because if you achieve this level of decentralization, then it would be impossible for a jurisdiction to claim that the entity needs to pay taxes in a given jurisdiction. I'm not saying that that it's an evasion of taxes because, uh, of course, like the contributors that get paid from the DAO, they, they will pay their taxes or 
if you invest in a governance token, you have to pay taxes if you have a capital gain. But I don't think that the fact that a digital organization, which is completely decentralized, doesn't pay taxes is something which should shock us. In the end, if the organization does not create value or does not take advantage of a particular jurisdiction, then I think it should be accepted by by the by the law that it doesn't pay taxes for a for a jurisdiction. In this regard, I want to mention a project, which is the project uh, provided by an international group, the Koala Group, and they framed a series of model rules on DAOs. And their idea, which now seems a bit utopistic, but I hope that in the future it could be accepted, is the fact that DAOs should remain some like international entities that are recognized by the different states. So not corporations that are in one state, as for instance, the Wyoming LLC, but they should remain like international and global and that the state states should recognize the stages. Uh, and then if you accept this idea, then uh, like these entities are passed through entities and taxation goes to the members. It's not like a matter that must be dealt by the organization as such. I think that this could be a solution for, for the future. But of course, you need this high, high level of decentralization because otherwise it becomes just like a, a way of, uh, of avoiding taxation duties. And this is not something that, that we want and that can be achieved only for organizations that are truly decentralized. Tell me, like, in that case where you have a fully decentralized uh, organization, internationally recognized, where only the contributors are paying the taxes, but do you think that in that case we would need some sort of, like, a centralized uh, centralized place where it would say, like, like the contributors, people that are on the payroll of the DAO, are, are these, and uh, they're the pay, they paying taxes here and there? but the organization itself is not. Because like what I'm seeing, I think that idea would absolutely be great if, if doable, but the question I think would remain, how would one uh, ensure that the contributors, the developers are, are recognized by different jurisdictions in order to pay taxes and to be seen as, um, as the initiators, as the team members? Uh, that's a great question, because uh, here we have two different theories. And what I've said, of course, is beautiful, but you are saying, okay, Francesco, decentralization, fine. But then, I mean, we have always the feeling that there is like a central decision, which is taken by some members of the organization, which often are the multi-signers, so the people that basically have the treasury that control the treasury of the organization. And to solve this problem, like uh, you create a, a kind of central point sometimes, which is the foundation, as I've said before, because like, if you do it in, in, on the Cayman Islands, uh, taxation is zero. And so you solve this problem and putting your centralized point in a jurisdiction which is not, which is not taxed. Mm -hmm. And uh, another theory is the fact that uh, like, Perhaps you have a multi-sign, but where you have different people from different nationalities, uh, or you have operations, smart contracts operations, which are completely automated. And so basically starting from the vote of uh, governance token holders, which are uh, spread all over the world, they can, these decisions can be implemented directly without like uh, the recourse to persons which sign uh, a transaction. And so, like, if uh, the procedure is really automated and uh, it relies on a decision which is taken by uh, millions of people all over the world or thousands of people all over the world, then I think that it could work. Uh, but in between, there is a lot, there are a lot of nuances and different types of uh, solutions that one can have. Uh, what I can say to conclude is that if you have a multi-sig in which you have your treasury in, and you have, I don't know, seven people that sign the transactions, it might, might be dangerous in looking at the background of these people. It could be said that the organization must be referred to the jurisdiction of one of these people that are holder of the multisig. 
and and so I think here the organization need to be smart to avoid that these persons uh, can have problems in their own jurisdictions because of the fact that, as I've said before, if partnership law applies, then uh, there is the risk that these people are jointly and severally liable, so that they pay entire taxation for for the DAO, and this would be really really weird. Um, so far, we don't have cases of uh, of this type. I think that a taxation authority they need also to a bit understand which is the legal landscape, and for now they are not addressing the issue directly. But it's yeah, a topic yeah. that need to be solved in the future, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think like DAOs as a structure are generally quite still young and uh, it will take time for even the people that are in the space um, building DAOs to understand the, the centralization itself. And then, of course, the regulators like the tax office, etc. It's going to take them <laughs> probably a bit longer. And the general like DAOs do face that when they need to understand like what to balance, right? Like to get to be legal compliant and become centralized or to go towards decentralization, but then they're risking a lot when it comes to the off-chain world. Talking about that, what do you think, uh, since we established that DAOs uh, do face some centralization challenges off-chain, and uh, what do you think, do, do similar issues appear on-chain as well? Yeah, I think that this is a problem which is uh, strictly related to the to the governance models that DAOs uh, may adopt. Uh, that's another interesting topic because like the legal professional, uh, he cares, of course, about the corporate structure and the legal entities. But of course, I think that you cannot advise in this sector if you're not aware about the different governance models that you can that you can apply. And uh, also here, I think that we are in an early stage uh, because um, the governance uh, is ba mostly based on the on the amount of tokens that the different uh, token holders have. So the members of the DAO basically participate, and depending on how many tokens they have, they influence more the decision making process within the organization. And this means that the risk of centralization is absolutely there because uh, we have uh, lots of whales are out there. Uh, we have the founders. Uh, and so we have people that might actually influence strongly the outcome of a vote. Uh, sometimes governance systems put also barrier in the possibility of proposing votes. And uh, another problem is that the participation to this on-chain votes is very limited. So a lot of people are simply holder of the tokens without voting. And if you put all this together, you have really a sense of centralization. Like you have really good people that are aware about all the nuances of the DAO that are able to frame proposals that will be accepted because they are so prominent within the organization. And then you have also this token voting, which of course uh, works uh, within a certain extent, because if you have big ways that want to influence the voting, they are able to do it in, in this kind of scenario. And, uh, and so I think that governance is something which needs to be, to be addressed carefully at the very beginning, um, but it can be always ameliorated. So my advice is, okay, you have this governance system set up, but it's something which you learn within the organization. Also in Bankless, we've seen, for instance, that some thresholds that we have put did not work. And then it means that you have to, to change it. You have to promote a vote that basically uh, implements a more mature governance system. And uh, some DAOs has also implemented systems to resist for attacks which are provided by very big weights or token holders or that are limit that limits the the power to influence a vote by uh, by by whales and so there are some rules that you can implement in the governance systems in order to avoid to avoid centralization which is uh, what everyone what everyone does um, of course like there is always a drawback so if you have a system which is really completely decentralized and in which all the decisions are taken uh, through voting then you slow down a bit the pace of your organization. And, and so I think you have to balance a bit the needs of your organization with the, 
with the needs of decentralization. And the best way of doing it is uh, creating a flexible model. I mean, saying flexible is always a bit suspicious because it does not mean <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and can be abused as well, right? Like <laughs> Flexibility, I mean, it, it, and this was also one of the starting problem of, uh, problems of the DAO. I would be, I will try to be more precise. I think that some issues need to be decided on chain and it must be clarified in a kind of constitutional document. And more and more inclined to think that uh, you need to have like a set of rules which then will also to the external world indicate how mature your community is and how really decentralized the community is and and so i, I would separate like some uh, tasks which can be done at a level which does not require a vote by people that are contributors of, to the DAO that have demonstrated to the pa in the past that they really care about the organization that they know what they do and which basically had a legitimate legitimation which was given by by the community as such but then there are methods which are of capital importance which normally are related to the to the payments to the use of the treasury which must be given to the broader community for sure. I mean, we go with the assumption that the founders do have the necessary expertise to bring the project vision to life and to support the daily operations of the project. And of course, each and every member of the community cannot have all the necessary expertise to make a good decision. However, if we approach it like as such, um, then we risk high level of centralization because we are entrusting a small group of individuals that we believe to have that needed expertise. However, DAO is, uh, is built on a complete opposite principle where the decision-making power is with the community and the community is the one that um, does make those decisions. But we have a problem there as well, because um, many projects, many founders, many great founders are experiencing issues with uh, the community involvement and how involved and how engaged the community is in the project. And it can get quite difficult to have that community involved and uh, be present on community calls and uh, make sure to stay informed on what's happening with the project, um, come and vote when it's needed and um, vote based on the education they received and the information they received and based on that, further, of course, um, make make an educated decision and the vote. And another issue that does happen in DAOs are the whales. We hear a lot in the space about whales, whales this, whales that. They're not very much liked, right? <laughs> and uh, it recently, we also have we had an issue with a whale who basically. Um, voted on a proposal and uh, and changed the whole governance um, by themselves. And that sparked a lot of talks. And um, again, we went back to distrust towards DAOs and, uh, of course, towards whales. What do you think um, can we and should we prevent the whales? Um, should we have some sort of like a total cap on a vote? So a whale, one person does not have the power to change the whole governance by one single vote, basically. Yes, uh, I think it's uh, it can be a good idea, but one has also to be careful because like the way there's a person that believed in your community, if he has all these tokens, then uh, then it is uh, it is something it means that he has invested in, in in the community and like if you limit too much of course people will not if, if these people are are interested in governance they will not be inclined in 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 being holder of the of the tokens what i would implement is really like understanding uh, indicating which are which is based which are basically the goals of the of the dao uh, and uh, trying to uh, 
trying to understand when the behavior of a whale is a behavior which is uh, which is detrimental to the DAO. And here I want to discuss the problem also of justice within Web3 and within DAOs. And uh, there are some very interesting projects uh, which also want to bring justice within this uh, the systems. And I want to mention here the project Curia of my friends of LexDAO. And it's a, it's a very good uh, example because it presents the, the justice system not only as something which is for um, two counterparties that perhaps has a, have a problem within a contractual relationship, but also as something that will need to be implemented within broader communities. And so if you see that there is a problem with the way, I think that we can use legal tools as mediation and as uh, judiciary to solve these problems. And because if the whale votes uh, and the vote is something which is aligned with the interests of the community, it's fine. But if we have situations in which we have 90 persons that vote in one direction and the whale in the other direction, then I think that this clash needs to be solved by an internal decision-making process, which is kind of independent than the governance system. And uh, so I think we should not have fear to put to introduce this kind of toolings within broader organizations because it's a sign of uh, of matureness and it would also eliminate this problem of limiting the the governance power uh, sometimes some people do not like this uh, basically attribution of power to an external actor but i think that there are people that are really trustworthy in the industry uh, it is a bit uh, introducing a human factor within the DAO management and governance, but uh, I really invite persons to look at Curia and to and 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 also understand that it is possible to to solve issues which are internal to a community and delegating to people that basically are trusted within the industry. I think that's a very good idea because what is really really bad is when a community basically overturns a vote which was. Uh, impacted by a whale. So a decision that was taken by a whale is not implemented for the benefit of the community. We have seen this happen happening um, in the last months. I mean, people were always uh, against the whale and I think that's normal, but I think that this is really a demonstration that the governance systems were not ready to tackle this kind of this kind of situation and and so i think that in this cases you can stop the whale with a kind of uh, challenge which is provided by the rest of the community mediation judiciary can be of course like a kind of uh, uh, on-chain judiciary can be a tool to solve this problem those are pretty interesting mechanisms that we could use to potentially solve these whale and other centralization issues I mean, these problems that we are having, experiencing right now are perfectly normal because we are still very early in the industry, whatever someone says, and uh, we still need to get through that um, basic education on DAOs, how they operate and what they are to move forward with building um, healthy, sustainable and decentralized DAOs. And tell me, what do you think um, can one wallet, one vote solve this issue and actually be another way to address um, the whale issue and whether that's really in the DAO spirit? Um, me personally, I think that one wallet, uh, one vote is not necessarily a great option and a remedy to whales because one can have multiple wallets and just use them all to vote on a specific proposal. And then, you know, we're back to the same. And again, that one-to-one -one vote does not really bring a DAO-like environment. I'm curious to hear what you think. Yes, for instance, I mean, it, it, it is not absurd if you think that uh, non-profit entities work like this. Like in associations, for instance, uh, in some countries, the rule one man, one vote is mandatory. You cannot change it. And there is a reason because uh, like you will find always an outcome which is seen as fair, given that every member accepts the goal of the, of the non-profit entity. 
but uh, in my opinion it is not it cannot be implemented in DAOs and it is not because I think that governance tokens need to have value or or something like this but uh, because I think that like the value of governance token is also given by governance and uh, one needs to buy a token not only because it thinks that uh, it can speculate with this token but also because he wants to participate in governance so i want to be influential in uh, influential in, in bankless i buy a bank token and therefore if you eliminate this uh, this weight then uh, this is something that can impact also the the reason why we use governance tokens there are then some implementations that can help to address the problem for instance uh, quadratic voting gitcoin is an example that everyone knows um but also in this regard i mean there are counter arguments of adopting this kind of vote within the within the community and i think that it is fair to have people that count more what is not good is having a whale that basically goes against the interests of of the protocol and here we need some tools to to stop it i've also published a thread there was a very interesting situation in balancer which is a protocol dao where basically there was a whale that was going against the community in uh, putting emissions ball emissions in one gauge which was not interesting for the community and there i think that they they arrived to a very good conclusion at the beginning they were a bit harsh against the whale but then they reframed the governance model in order to to address this problem and so i think it's very it's like a bit i don't know with flight companies you don't know exactly which will be the risk of the future but once you you have it in front of you you need to change your security settings to address this risk that's very true. I mean, some of the challenges you can predict and some of them you can improve on the go and as you experience them. And besides the whale issue when it comes to centralization in DAOs, another issue that I have experienced are the founders themselves and that founding team or the core team or team representatives, whatever we call them, is that they're giving themselves C-level titles, management titles, and some fancy titles. And um, for example, in online interaction with the projects that I worked with, um, I would meet one, two, three, four, five people from the project while the community wouldn't be much involved in the communications and we would get asked, well, how much information do you expect us to share with the community and how much information you're going to share, how transparent we got to be, this and that. And um, also, I mean, I think my favorite is my experience on conferences where I would meet CEOs, CTOs, CMOs of DAOs, literally CTO and CEO of a DAO, especially those that do not have the entity, that happens as well. And when I would ask, why do you call yourself a CEO, a CTO, or a CMO? The answer I would get, well, it's my title. And I would be like, um, okay, I'm a bit confused. <laughs> so what's your experience and what's your take on the this type of centralization issues in the house? So I think that it's uh, it's quite funny like to use the denominations and titles that we use in regular <laughs> business for DAOs and <laughs> and so like I agree with you I mean I understand your your critical approach to this, uh, this <laughs> of uh, false DAO let's call it like them um, and so not a DAO if you call it a DAO right like it needs to work yeah because DAO basically means uh, means really nothing and so people try to take advantage also for marketing purposes of this of this denomination but then of course like if you have a business structure which is completely vertical then it's uh, it's hard to me to say that it's a DAO said this I think that also the beginning eaters the early eaters of saying the DAO is completely horizontal um, everyone can step in step out and jump in the next one was wrong I think that some corporate identity is also useful for DAOs and that in the end, like in every organization of the world, you will have some members that care a bit more, that are always there, that are always more um, 
more inclined to bring work and value to the DAO. And they need to be recognized by the community. And so I'm not against having roles. Uh, of course, these roles need to be a bit reshaped uh, to fulfill like the ages of, of the DAO. And uh, there must be more interventions by the community at large. But I'm not against roles. Um, if we give too much power, it's, uh, I mean, we, we know it as legal practitioners, we know that uh, like every system is a system in which you have checks and balances. Um, I don't want to say that I want to transform the DAO in a business, but of course, there is like a core group of people that has a recognition by the community and that uh, that deserves to, to be recognized and have kind of titles, not CEO, not this, this titles, but perhaps something different. Uh, what must always remain there is the fact that this group of people is controlled by the community. So if something goes wrong, then the community can always intervene and change the organizational setting. I agree with you 100%. I mean, there are members that contribute with their skills, with their knowledge, with their time, with their connections, with whatever they have at their disposal to push the project forward and to bring the vision to life. And for that, they should be recognized by the community, get rewarded by the DAO and the community. However, it's extremely important to note that those contributors, those great contributors, do not have any bigger say in the project. They have the same rights as any other community member for the governance established. And I think we also lack that education on the community side where the community needs to really understand and really needs to learn their role in their power within the project. If someone is bad, if anyone in that contributor team is bad, you can vote. You can put that proposal out, explain why, right? So you are not the only member in the community that notice certain things. Put that proposal out, put it up for a vote and get it voted. And if it's voted, kick the bad apple out. And uh, the community really needs to learn that. And that's why I say that we are really still early in the industry and especially in the DAO space. And it's going to take us some time to learn and um, to understand how these organizations really operate and what we can do as a, as a community. So, Eagle, I would like to thank you for a great talk and thank you for being the very first guest on my very first episode of DAO Today. It was a great pleasure talking to you as always, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you in one of the next episodes. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Alex. It was great also for me. And uh, let's hope to meet soon. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching another episode of DAO Today with Alexa Mill. DAO Today podcast is for educational and thought-provoking purposes only, and nothing said by Alexa or her guests can be construed as legal, business, and or financial advice. Projects mentioned in the episodes are referred to as examples for educational and informational purposes only. It does not constitute any sort of endorsement or promotion. See you in the next episode.